Hey Hawks fans, Luke Bruce here. CJ here. Jarman here. If you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders. It's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans. Make sure you subscribe. Get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Here from Jarman MB for the Insiders. Hi everyone, good evening. Welcome to Hawks Insiders. It is the trade period. We are in the final 40, if my maths serves me correctly, 47 or so hours until this thing will finally uh, be over. Cannot wait for that. Uh, Plenty to get through since we last spoke to you last week on The Spaces. My name's Ashley Brown. Good to have you with us. for the evening, I'm joined by nearly a full board tonight. Uh, I'll say hello first to Andrew Weiss. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Very, very happy to be back, albeit with uh, not that much news. But, yeah, same as you. Looking forward to the next 47 or so hours. Well, the rule of trade period audio is that the, the actual news takes up 1% of what happens this time of year. That's the speculation and the innuendo and the rumour mongering and the uh, everything else that makes up the other 99%. So on that basis, we could do 24 hours straight we, and not quite, quite fill that criteria. We could. I, th- I feel like there are also plenty of other ways to actually get, <laughs> get proper news. As I said in our WhatsApp group earlier today, actually, I could spend some time getting some work done because I'm sure if anything drops, I'll end up with WhatsApp messages galore as opposed to having to refresh news feeds every few minutes waiting for something to drop. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure as yeah. soon as it drops, we'll all be over, all over it. There's a fair bit going on. Uh, Danny Prince, hello. Ash, good to be here. The other part that you missed out on is the ads, Ash. Trade radio ads. Uh, for every one rumour, there's about 3,642 ads. Those ads pay my salary and Brad's as well. We're so, happy uh, for them. That's the why. more, the merrier. <laughs> uh, it's a big salary to pay. Brad's especially. It'll be a Brad more than mine. Uh, hello, Darren. Hi, guys. Yeah, I have also been enjoying ad radio this week. Um, nice break from other, other world news. So... Uh, I particularly love the Adam Cooney uh, hypothetical mega trades. We probably should have done one of these, actually. Not too late, given that probably nothing will go down till Wednesday anyway, so uh, not too late. And hello, Brad Klobansky. Hello, all. Good to be here again. Yes, Trade Radio. I think Cooney's got... I think he picked the Taylor Adams for pick 33, which is the only one he's got right in about three years, and he let everyone know on Twitter. He's taking a very big victory lap. So, Danny, is this um, day – I'm not quite sure what day the trade period is. Normally, the weekend days don't count for trade period, but given that the Brockman trade went down the weekend, does that mean this is day eight or day seven uh, or day six of trade? I've, I've lost I've lost track, Ash. Uh, when I set this space up, I was trying to work out what it was. I couldn't do it, so I just said week two, day one. Um but yeah, it, we got a we got a one of the very very rare weekend Saturday afternoon trades on the weekend. They do not happen very often at all. So um, look, this this trade period feels like it's dragged on forever, and simultaneously, it's almost done. So um, yeah, it's it, it it'd be nice to get a little bit more action in the next the next day. I know we we know Wednesday is always busy, um, but it'd be nice for a fair bit of action to be tomorrow, so we can all go about our lives. Um... Listen, I uh, in my days and I used to uh, report on the trade periods. I broke the Shane Mo Woden to Collingwood news. That was on a Saturday afternoon. So trades do happen. Brockman to West Coast isn't quite Wo Woden to Collingwood back uh, in two thousand and three or four, whenever it was. But uh, they do happen from time to time. So a bit to get through. It's a bit happy. Firstly, just want to thank you, Danny, and to Nat and AJ for the wonderful job you did holding the fort. On Thursday night, you joke that you're the Box Hill Insiders, but I actually think from what I listen to, you guys have as much, if not more, of a clue than we do. So uh, thank you to those guys and to you for keeping it going. Um, we will be here for three more nights, uh, Thursday night or Wednesday night, 
I think we let the dust settle and jumped on board at about 8.30. Um, so let, let everything clear, clear our heads to think about what we're going to say. We do have a special guest lined up on Wednesday, someone who will be in the room as all the action goes down, who will be coming on Talks and Silence. I don't want to name that person just in case they let us down, but this person has indicated that they're very keen to come on and have a chat. So we should have um, everything taken care of. As always, if you've got a question, you want to take part in the conversation, put your hand up. We will get to you. Uh, if you've got a comment, put it in the comments field. We'll get to it either during the conversation or afterwards. Um, we're already getting some nice uh, feedback anyway, but we'll get to it over the course of the night. So going into things of a chronological point of view as they pertain to Hawthorne, and I've got some stuff to throw up, particularly for you, Danny, being our draft and draft pick guru. Speculation. We don't have a guest tonight, by the way, but uh, I think there's, there's enough going on for us to have the conversation. Danny, the first thing, uh, so the first thing I want to throw to all of you, uh, the news broke on Friday that Jack Gunston um, wants to return to Hawthorne, something I half speculated on in my grand final rap because I don't think Jack would look at his year at Brisbane as a particularly great success. Um, not that I thought he was actually had to come to Hawthorne necessarily, but I wasn't surprised when the news emerged. I'm just going to throw it open to all of you. What was your uh, what were your thoughts? Um, when that news broke, is there something you would like to see happen? Well, it's um, it's certainly very romantic, isn't it? And and I feel like um, I feel like there was a general overwhelming sense of euphoria when the news dropped on Friday morning, um, all across Hawthorne social media. Very very excited with the prospect. Um, for me personally, I think he would be brilliant. I don't actually think he would need to play that many games, to be honest, just to have him um, back, finish his career with Brewsty, um, the leadership, uh, the reformation of some of the family club values, um, let alone the fact that it's Jack. And if you can get a dozen or 15 games out of him, um, with Chol, with Lewis, all of a sudden the forward line looks a little bit better. But uh, I do personally think that even if you didn't get many games out of him, what he would cost and what it would mean to have him coming home um, and transition into, I guess, effectively, uh, he'd be that extra um, assistant coach we've talked about that when potentially not replacing Ash. He's effectively a forward line coach, isn't he? Well, Bruce was the forward line coach as well. I mean, there's a fair bit of um, on-field coaching with Luke Bruce uh, in his role, as well as kicking 47 goals or 50 goals, whatever it was, and making the All-Australian squad. It was a fantastic season. Um, I was, you know, I've said it before, you know, he's one of my favourite players the last 10, 12 years, Jack Gunston. He's, I think he's been a wonderful player for Hawthorne. Absolutely. Loved watching him play. So I was excited at the thought of him coming back. But then I want to put it to you, Brad. Um, you're going to do a best 22 for us later in the week once the trade period settles, which will be eagerly anticipated. But would you have Jack Gunton in your best 22 if he was if, if the deal went down tomorrow? Uh, it's a tough one, Ash. I'm with you. I see where uh, Weiss is coming from as well. I think if Jack's fully fit, uh, unfortunately, I believe Hawthorne's got a really, really poor forward line. Um, Wingard's obviously going to be out for three quarters of the year. Brockman and Kaczynski were depth players, but still, you know, are on the fringe of being best 22. I think there would be a spot for Jack if he's fully fit. It's a big if, though. We saw last year his body broke down numerous times. He dropped himself, uh, whether it was him or the coach. He definitely got dropped last year. But in saying that, I think that third tall, you know, position for us at the moment, there's a spot there for him. Mitch Lewis doesn't play the whole year. He's never played more than 15 games in a season. So, you know, if he was to go down, I think, as you mentioned, I think it's the coaching side of things as well. I know Luke Bruce plays a bit of a coaching role, but I reckon Jack Gunston would be a brilliant assistant coach once he finishes up. So with where our list is at the moment, I think one year couldn't hurt. As Weiss, he mentioned, I wouldn't see him playing more than, you know, eight to ten games. But I think there is a spot there for him if he's fully fit. But again, it's a big if. Danny, Fergus Green or Jack Gunston? 
Jack Dunstan, uh, length of the Flemington Strait. Uh, and look, I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge Fergus Green man, not as much as Darren, but um, for the vibes, he is phenomenal. He set, he seems like the sort of team guy that you want to have in and around the squad, keeping everybody upbeat. Um, but look, Jack, I mean Jack Dunstan's a Premiership player at the Hawks. He is, uh, you know, some would say very unlucky not to be a Norm Smith medalist. Um, and you know, one of, one of our greats and look, yeah, he had some injury issues last year, but, um, you know, the back end, like he still played 17 out of what, 23 games. Um, so it's not like he missed large, large chunks of the season. Uh, he still kicked 22 goals. Um, I think that would sit him like third or fourth in our goal kicking tally, um, this, in, you know, this season's goal kicking, uh, list, you know, the, there's so much value. I think Jack Gunston can still add to this Hawthorne team. And um, if he's, you know, if he's not a hundred percent fit, I think he's still clearly in our best 18. I think you play him as the third tall. Um, they were looking for another way to go, another avenue to go. And Gunston gives you that. He gives you structure. Uh, if you've got a forward line set up of Lewis, Chol. Gunston with three smalls around them. I think there's some issues around defensive pressure, but you know that's that's a that's actually a, a forward line that could kick a winning score, and we haven't had that, um, you know, much for the last couple of years. So I'm all for bringing Jack Gunston for a late pick. Absolutely. We've got a question from AJ. We'll get to you in just a moment. Darren, do you buy the uh, the uh, you're, you're the media uh, pro here? Do you buy the suggestion that Jack sort of blindsided both? Hawthorne and Brisbane with this request and both clubs were surprised by it or do you think this has been something that perhaps and this has been speculated upon tonight that actually Sam Mitchell and Gunston have been uh, talking about this for a little while given that the pair are good friends I thought I was the merch pro Ash but I'll, I'll take the media pro <laughs> um, I, I, I think imagine if it wasn't preordained uh, I don't think they would let a club legend like Jack Gunston out to dry like that. It'd be so embarrassing for us as a club to give him a hint that we want him back and then for him to put himself out there like that um, and then and then not make a deal to, to get him here. So I think they've absolutely been talking. And it was interesting because I was watching a, a video that's been doing the rounds on social media of Sammy Mitchell talking about how much of a loss Jack would be. You know, this is before the trade and um, yeah, how... how uh, I think it was maybe just after and, and just how he was an absolutely essential part of, of the I rebuild. Think was, I think it was pretty classified after when, when he did the... the just uh, after. When, well, after the loss of Sydney when, when he went on to footy That's classified to, you know, when everyone was throwing their toys out of the cot. He went on footy classified. He, 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 that, that's when he spoke about Gunston. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it wasn't talking about his impact on the ground. It was talking about his... Um, his role, as, as as you guys said, as as that sort of forward line coach. So um, I think he'd he'd be a terrific addition just to just to shore up that forward line. And structurally, it's been a bit of a mess. So um, I, yeah, I think he'd sort it out. And they certainly they've kept the number nineteen jumper for him as well. AJ, good evening. Hey guys, long time listener, first time caller. Um, just. The, other than the Box Hill boys, the person I speak to most about footy is my old man. And we had a long chat about Jack because he's also a Hawthorne man, my dad. And the thing he said to me was he worries about the idea of reintegrating Jack back into the list and saying, you know, you've been out of the club for a year. You've been doing things differently. Is that going to impact his leadership? I said, I don't personally buy that. I think it's only been a year. Most of the guys in the forward line were there while Jack was still at the club. But I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on that. Do you think that that reintegrating him back into the club after the year does mean that you slow that process of his leadership coming back into the club down while it gets used to being back in around Hawthorne? I'll go first, but I'll be interested to hear what the others have to say. Hawthorne are going to have their third forward line coach in many years because Chris Newman was the forward line coach and he's gone. So um, who knows how well your forward line's integrating in the first place. Um, they're going to have to change things up anyway with uh, no Brockman, even though he didn't play a lot, sort of Wingard not having played. I actually writing the Hawthorne profiles for the AFL record season guide. That's what I was doing today. And um, 
you know, I've written about Sam Butler saying at this stage he is a huge chance to it's a huge opportunity for Sam Butler this year to play because of who's missing from the side. So the forward line's in a complete state of flux. So I think it's actually a good time for Gunston to come in. And they're going to have to rearrange things and, and anyway, so why not do it with an experienced head like Gunston there? Uh, what do you guys have to say about that? I totally agree. And, and I agree with Quincy in my mind. If he is fully fit, in my mind, he's 100% starting in that team round one. And if he's not, again, like the experience that he brings as a coach of the forwards, especially with with a young group of forwards, I, I just think I, I just think for a late draft pick, we've got no issues with salary. Like I don't actually see any downside if if Sammy felt that on the field, he's taking up someone's spot. He won't play him, and he will still be there as a forward line coach. So I just actually don't see any downside to bringing him back. Oh well, oh yeah, yeah. I I think there's more certainly more more pluses than um, minuses with bringing him back. We uh, we want to see how it plays out. Danny, just before we go, move on. I mean, how do they do the deal? What 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 currency has Hawthorne got to make this happen? Well, it's it's hard to know they're willing to give up and what Brisbane actually want. I mean, Brisbane's statement was that really vague statement that basically all clubs copy and paste uh, and insert the relevant player's name when um, when somebody requests a trade. Um, the Hawks obviously have to get their other deals done, and they've said that that's a priority. I think, I think that what that means is, you know, don't don't come at us until we we come to you and we're ready to deal with you. But um, you know, I I would suggest it's just a late pick. Like if the Hawks have a, a future third or a future, well, probably even a future fourth, or you know, whatever's the last pick in our draft hand after the Massimo D'Ambrosio, so it could be like fifty fourth. Um, that's what I'm thinking. You know that they'd be willing to give up. I don't think it'd be much more than that. It might even be just a sliding down of picks for the Hawks. Um, but yeah, it, it'll all be it'll all come out late in on Friday, I think, or on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, it'll be seven twenty-five on Friday. This one will go. It'll just be stuck through before the deadline. It will happen. Um, but it, Hawthorne have other business to do first, and as we'll get to, they had to have a bit of business to do. Matt, good evening. Good evening. Um, just a question with Marbia, uh, yeah, with Marbia Toll and um, Jack Gunston coming back. Um, Marbia Toll just seems almost like a stopgap solution while we wait for um, Brandon Ryan and Max Ramsden and even um, even um, what's his name, Denver DGB. Um, if Jack Gunston comes back. Do we actually need Marvia Tell? Well, it's a four-year stopgap if they get him. They've offered four-year deals for Marvia Tell. It's the same deal in terms of security that Hawthorne's offered Will Day. So it's uh, it's uh, I don't think Hawthorne seems a stopgap on a four-year deal. I think there's a bit of a um, I don't know what you think, Brad. I think there's almost a bit of a Hunger Games situation going to happen at Hawthorne this year. They're just going to there's going to be serious competition for spots through. January, February, you can say with certain, who would you say, Brad, an absolute walk-up, presuming everybody plays, who are the walk-up starts in the Hawthorne Ford 50 for round one next year? I can think of two. Mitch Lewis. Luke Luke Bruce. Bruce. Yeah, Dylan Moore is probably the other one if he plays that half, that high half forward role. Uh, Marbio Chol, they aren't giving him a four-year deal. They've actually given him an option for a fifth if he plays seventeen or more games um, in his last in the in his uh, fourth year triggers an extra year. So Marbio Chol's start in the twenty-two next year. I think there's only one spot for um, either Brandon Ryan or Denver Granger Barras. I think Barras will get that spot to start next year. I think Sam Mitchell. It's going to give him one more year. I think he believes he can become a quality forward. He's not going to play down back. So if he doesn't make it as a forward next year, don't think he's going to be on the list after next year, unfortunately. So um, I think, yeah, I think Chol definitely plays. I think it's Lewis, Chol, and Brewster definites with Dylan Moore. 
Uh, I think Connor McDonald's the other one. I'd like to see him play more midfield, but I think without Wingard, we need quality and class um, at the half-forward line. And the other one is, who's not a lock, but I think will play early, as you mentioned, Ash, is um, Sam Butler, because there is a small forward spot up for grabs. Is it a possibility, I'll just have this thought now, um, Daz, is there a possibility that they are actually using um, Gunston almost to train Granger Barras, that he will teach Barras how to be that sort of third forward? Follow him and watch him and see what he does. Is that a possibility? Yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, it's probably, I think Fergus Green's goose it looks a bit cooked if they bring Gunston back, but I think... He would also benefit, um, and he's he's quite a similar sort of player to Gunston from from his tutelage. So uh, that that does make sense, and uh, I think I think it's you know Jack Gunston's one of the craftiest uh, forwards we've we've seen. He's he's incredible off the lead, and he 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 just he's a nightmare for defenders. Um, so I think having him and Bruce training that that sort of ragtag forward line that we have and a forward line that's structurally been disjointed and dysfunctional at times, I think will, I think will be, re- will be really great. And I don't know if it's specifically for DGB because I think this is very much last chance saloon for him, but um, I think everyone will bef- benefit from Jack's presence. That's right. All right. I think we'll, uh, we'll, oh, wait, we'll put Jack to bed there. Although we've got a question from Dom. Good evening, Dom. Dom? Dom? Do I switch your mic on, Dom? Dom is, is Dom is mute. Uh, someone, someone just said, <laughs> Dom, switch your mic on. We're very happy to have you uh, come and ask a question. In the meantime, you know you know who should get credit our um our one-liner guru and and we can small, <laughs> our small, our small goods guru our small goods guru uh, See, this is the quality content you get if you join our whatsapp um we'll think about that next season uh that's right um let's talk about um so We've been talking about this for a while. It's it's happened, uh, and Tyler Brockman is now an eagle, not a hawk. Uh, a couple of the third round and a fourth round pick, something like that. Danny have uh, changed hands for him. No surprise, he's been on the cards for a while. But um, uh, we see. I'm leaving it to you to offer the Hawks insight official farewell speech for Tyler Brockman. Yeah, uh, I think we can move on. No, no. Um, maybe a bit harsh. Look, oh, I think clearly we're all pretty disappointed and are very aware of how um, how talented he is and have obviously put in a fair bit of work into him. And, you know, the stories over the last 12 to 18 months of just how how... Sammy's gone to the extra lengths knowing what he's been through as a footballer with young twins um, to support him. And, yeah, it's really disappointing. It's disappointing that clearly he'd he'd made his mind up a very, very long time ago. Um, It's disappointing that, you know, he left pretty much as soon as the season was done. But, you know, there's the human element to it as well. And... Um, what he did was great to watch when he was up and about, and he'll no doubt do, um, or he'll no doubt have a decent career for the Eagles. Um, it was really interesting watching um, a lot of banter across socials um, since it dropped a couple of days ago, and um, questions around, I guess the um, the value in the trade and whether or not we should have pushed harder and all that jazz. And at, at the end of the day, we know that he could have walked into the preseason draft. And I know Prinzi had a bit to say on it as well because uh, there, there were some some pretty, um, pretty steadfast people saying we should have gone much, much harder. But, you know, to get the pick back that we took him for as well as some extra points for our from our father-son point of view, you just take it, he'd already checked out. Um, yeah, 
move on. Thank you very much. Take the picks and uh, watch from afar. So, Danny, he, he, he's a player with a brilliant, a brilliant streak. He might only see it once or twice a year. Um, but there will be a game next year where he'll probably have 25 touches and kick four goals and possibly take the mark of the year and the goal of the year in the same game. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to be Mark Robinson, and you're going to be the Hawthorne fan reading this. What were the Hawks thinking getting you rid of Tyler Brockman? Well, firstly, Ash, you're way too sober for that. Um, but um, I, w- I would say I would say firstly the the first thing that you you said is he hasn't done any of those things that you said. He hasn't had 25 disposals in a game. He hasn't kicked four goals in a game. He hasn't taken mark of the year or kicked goal of the year. So um, I think what we see is. The, the glimpses of Tyler Brockman's potential, um, I have some serious question marks as to whether or not he'll put it all together. I think um, I think he's a moments player, not a duration of game player. Um, and those players are really hard to peg because, you know, what, what can you expand or how do you expand those glimpses and those moments into a real quality player? I think the Hawks will look at, um, Brockman, and they'll be disappointed because they've invested time, energy, and effort into him. And I think what you'll, what they'll be most disappointed with is they supported him in every way they could around the birth of his kids. Um, they gave him extra time to be in WA. They allowed him to come back late into preseason training while he's the birth of his children. And um, they're not going to get any return on that investment. Uh, and I think that'll be the toughest part. Uh, for them to swallow. But, um, you know, I, I saw on, on social media um, a really strong um, Hawthorne contingent that were anti the way that the Hawks handled this situation with Brockman. And I look at it from my perspective and I just can't see what they did wrong. Um, I can't see how you could give him anything other than a one-year deal off the back of his second year just because he's talented um, and we saw glimpses in his first year, doesn't mean after a year decimated by injury and some go-home question marks that you give him a multi-year deal. So that's the first thing. When you're coming um, up to a trade period with an uncontracted player who wants to go home, who's nominated West Coast, the club that has the first pick in the preseason draft, you're kind of held over a barrel. So my, my whole thing is I think they got what they could knowing full well that pushing hard for anything else probably sees him walk to the Eagles in the preseason draft and they get nothing for him at all. So getting 44 and 63, they're not great picks. They might, they'll probably just be used either for other deals, maybe the Chol deal, um, the Massimo D'Ambrosio deal for 63 has been floated by Kaltumi today, um, or they're going to be used to match bids. And matching bids for us right now is pretty important. So I think from that perspective, you take what you can get based on this very unique individual situation that we found ourselves in with Tyler Brockman and you just move on and you just wipe your hands of it and you just wish Tyler all the best for his career at the Eagles. To be perfectly honest, I and look, I'm happy for people to come at me later. I don't think it's going to bite us too hard, to be honest. There was a very funny line on Hawks headquarters today that uh, they should introduce a, a new award at the Peter Coombs Medal every year called the Glimpses Award. In 2021, it would have been won by Tim O'Brien. In 2022, it was Cozzy, and this year would have been Tyler Brockman. So, well, it's a it's a shame because Brockman wouldn't have been there to collect his award at the Best of Ferris. So, that's right, he was already gone. So. That moves that that we, we we wish Tyler Brockman well. There will be the game or two next year. We're going to watch him. He's going to star. If they got, he could have been doing that for Hawthorne. But I think my disappointment is they gave number thirty three, and that's despite of everything, that's a, that's a pretty special number at Hawthorne. And it's uh, disappointing that he only wore it for one season. It seemed to mean a lot to him when he got the jumper. I think with the wisdom of hindsight, the club would have held off giving him number thirty three, um, just as they have not awarded number nineteen to any player. Uh, after Jack Gunson left, you hold that number over for a pretty special player. And I think the same with uh, Brockman. That's my biggest disappointment out of that. Danny, um, I want to throw this open. You can lead the conversation here, but I know we all had some views on it today. And our, I'm actually going to change it from our WhatsApp group to our production meeting, and then people won't think it's anywhere nearly as exciting. Um, in our production meeting via WhatsApp um, earlier today, we floated the idea, uh, 
don't know how this came up, whether it was reported or it was a rumour or something, uh, that with Melbourne still trying to move aggressively further up the draft, should Hawthorne try, uh, consider trading out pick four for pick six and 11? Um, let's throw it around the group. Is that something Hawthorne should consider? I'll start with you. I'll start with you, Weezy, actually. Uh, yeah, a billion percent. I feel like the difference between the player that we're going to get at four or six is minimal and anything we can do to get um, another pick, another one pick inside, you know, the 15, 16, 17 that's going to come before Will McCabe um, gets matched. I, I feel like we should be doing everything we can and... Um, it's a different. It's it's probably different. I mean, Prinzi naturally is the one who'll know about the depth of talent from uh, obviously one. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. To then two and three to sort of that four to seven range, but I, I from everything I've read and I've seen, the drop from four to six shouldn't be that concerning. So. We were to pick up eleven. Um, yeah, how quickly can you get it done? Uh, Daz, any thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, we got Josh Weddle with pick eighteen, so pick eleven and pick six would, would definitely be my preference. I think you you can stuff one of those picks up. You could. I mean, we we've already looks like we've already stuffed up a pick six, so I'd, I'd like to have two bites in the top twenty. Brad. Yeah, I'm definitely doing it. I know Prinzi is really bullish on uh, Zane Dersma, who I think if he's available, yeah, I think obviously Hawthorne are going to take him. But if you can get two picks in the top, say, 12, uh, I'm pretty sure Prinzi will know more. But I think after a round, that market drops off a little bit. Obviously, the top three or four are really strong this year, and then you can probably throw a blanket over five to probably 13 or 14. But, yeah, if you can get two cracks at it, absolutely you're doing it. Danny? Yeah, look, I think it's a it's a really interesting conversation because um, if you look at the top end of the draft, there's probably there's probably seven or eight players that I think stand out from the from the rest. And two of those are tied to Gold Coast Academy. So you've got obviously everybody knows about Jed Walter, but there's also Ethan Reed who most have sort of coming up into the sort of middle part of the top 10. So you, we're talking we're talking about Harley Reid, Jed Walter, um, Colby McKercher, Zane Dersma, Nick Watson, Ethan Reid and Riley Sanders as the sort of top seven or eight. Um, and it all depends on what Melbourne are looking for. And I think any deal that happens doesn't happen until we're on the clock because the Hawks will want to keep their... Um, options open and I, I think if, if Zane Dersma falls past the ruse or past pick three and gets to Hawthorne at pick four, I think they'll take him. That's that's my gut feeling. If he's not available and neither is Colby McKercher, who I know the Hawks uh, really like as well, um, there are clubs that are really keen on Nick Watson. Uh, if Hawthorne isn't super keen on Nick Watson, they can use that to their advantage in a trade um, with Melbourne potentially because the Bulldogs are very keen apparently on, on Watson and they've got the pick after the Hawks. So um, Melbourne might think, well, we've got to pay a little bit overs here because if we let it slip one more space, the doggies are just going to take him and there goes our opportunity. Um, so having that, I guess, position of strength because of where we're uh, positioned in the draft gives us a real opportunity to assess our options when we're on the clock and potentially make a deal which brings us in, you know, six, six and 11, which you'd be looking at, you know, somebody like Riley Sanders as a really, um, you know, impressive midfielder, or you can, you know, grab uh, a couple of key position players like Connor O'Sullivan, uh, Nate Caddy, um, you know, guys, guys of that ilk. What about um, Curtin? Where does Daniel Curtin fit? Daniel Curtin will go in and around there. Did I not mention him in the first group? He's in the top oh. eight for sure. Yeah. Um, I think, the thing that everybody's sort of talking about around Curtin at the moment is he sees himself as a midfielder. He said that on uh, on Trade Radio, I think it was on Gettable, 
earlier today. He says long term he sees himself as a as a tall midfielder. So you know, I mean, if you bring somebody like that into the Hawks, we're we're legitimately looking at the tallest midfield ever assembled in a couple of years' time. So um, I, look, whether that's a need or whether you know you could potentially stock up on tools because we have lost a lot of young tools. We don't have other than DGB, we don't have any develop or maybe James Blank fits that mold, but there's not a lot of young developing tools. Max Ramsen is kind of that hybrid ruck forward. Um, but yeah, the the cupboard's pretty bare in that space. I know we're looking at bringing in Will Deer. I know we're interested obviously in our other father son, Cal Shadir. Uh, did I say Will Deer? Will McCabe yeah. uh, and Cal Shadir. But um but those two guys are a couple of years away as well. Um, they're very slight, very thin guys. Uh, who are going to take some seasoning and some de- developing at VFL level. If you think you can bring in another really quality key position player, um, that's maybe maybe a really good option to get two bites of the cherry inside the first, well, it'll probably end up being like the first 14 picks of the draft. I think that that's a really good option for the Hawks because the stage that we're at with our list build, I think it's, it's definitely not qu- uh, quantity over quality, but there needs to be as many opportunities to draft in the first round as we can possibly get for this year and also, I would say, for next year. So without having to give up a future pick to be able to get two picks inside, you know, the top 15, um, that's a really strategically smart draft move and that's that would be one that I'd be 100% backing. Now, we've got loads of uh, comments in the comments, too, but I'm just going to get to them. I'm going to take a bit of time to get through those. So uh, if you put up a comment there, we are going to get to them. One last thing I want to discuss, again, Danny, this is your wheelhouse. We'll throw open for a, a, a general conversation is, Cal Shadir is rocketing up the charts. Cal Toomey today said that he's probably um, on the fringe of the top 30 now. It's the benefits of having a really good second half of the season um, at under 18 level for, for young Cal Shadir. Now, um, what our father-son picks are, unlike um, academy picks, Hawthorne can match a bid from anywhere for Cal Shadir. But how are the Hawks tracking? If uh, if he's rocking up the calculations, they've got to find picks to match both McCabe and Deer as father-sons. How are they tracking? Or do they, do they have a bit of work to, to do over the next few days? Yeah, I think there's a bit of work to do, Ash. And uh, if you look at Hawthorne's indicative draft picks as of yesterday, uh, we're sitting with four, 33, 44, 54 and 63. So the expectation is that probably 63 will be um, offered up to, to the Bombers for Massimo D'Ambrosio. Um, and there was some chat today that 33 will be offered to Gold Coast uh, in a swap for 38 and Chol. If we can do that deal for Chol, that is a fantastic deal because we lose a little bit draft point-wise, but that pick's going to get eaten up by a Will McCabe bid anyway. But I think the picks that we have, uh, we could do, we could match McCabe and Deer fairly comfortably, um, but anything else outside of that, we would have no wiggle room at all. So we'd be looking to... Definitely get another pick back if we can for J- Jacob Kaczynski. Um, a pick in the top 25 would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> not happening. But, but no, it's not. I'm, I'm only mucking around. But, you know, but getting some more picks in that sort of 30 to 45 range would be, would be helpful from a point matching and just a safety perspective. And also because you don't want to have no picks in the middle to back half of the draft because there's always talent that slides. The Hawks have been really big beneficiaries of that in the past, whether it was James Warple, James Sicily, Dylan Moore, uh, Mitch Lewis. There are like ample examples of late drafted players that have become really good footballers for the Hawks. Um, so what what we see a lot of criticism of Mark McKenzie at the trade table where I don't think we see any criticism of Mark McKenzie is his talent identification. So um, I really be keen to see hold on to a pick or two around that 40 to 50 range because I feel like we, we, we get value. I mean, um, Bailey McDonald last year already looks like a, a really decent player and he was picked up in, I think, in like four. Yeah, exactly. Um, Henry Husswaite was mid-30s. So there are, there are good players to be had in the middle to late section of any draft. And this one's no, no 
um, you know, no exception. Somebody like Will Lorenz, who is uh, the grandson of just a former Hawthorne player, Ash. Um, um, You're an idiot. Uh, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Um, he he has fallen off out of the top 30. So it's Ashton Moore from um, Adelaide. But if they're there at 40-odd, they're supremely talented underage players um, who had a really poor draft year. Those are the sort of players that you take a flyer on because we've seen them do good things at the junior level. So um, I would be keen for us to get a couple more picks in any way that we can um, to keep our draft hand as stacked as it can be so we can match bids where we need to um, and and then also still attack the draft if and when we need to. All right. Very comprehensive there. Uh, we will not go uh, – we'll quickly detour, have a very quick chat about the great win on the weekend by the Hawks in the AFLW. Hawthorne beat the Swans at Henson Park, the home of women's football in Sydney. 5-10-40 to 3-8-26. Hawks considered two early goals to the Swans. Basically kept them goals until a sort of a freak goal from the pack in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds or so. But otherwise, that was a slashy win by the Hawks. They absolutely controlled the game from about 5 10 minutes in the first quarter through to the end. Brilliant defensive work. They were physical and they were tough. Um, and a an excellent performance. Um, first time the Hawks have won on outside Victoria, so the little the little milestones for the Hawks keep happening. They head to uh, Cairns this weekend to host the um, to host um, Richmond, um, as what I think is the start of a, a bit of a toe in the water for Hawthorne with far north Queensland. See how that goes and whether that will lead on to more significant involvement a bit down the track as Tassie finishes. Um, did you see any of the game, Daz? I did, yeah. And, um, oh, geez, it was an impressive performance. That, uh, I didn't see it after, you know, sort of the first quarter was was a bit of a struggle, but they they were brilliant. And after, I, I don't know if you saw that hit in the first quarter, Ash, with Greta Bodie. That was as hard a hit as you'll see. It was it was two players going going for the footy. Um, I don't know how Greta ended up coming back on the ground. It was it was absolutely brutal. Um, but yeah, she's been an incredible pickup. I have to give a massive shout out to Christy Stratton, who I think's been one of the pickups of the year um, coming from the VFL uh, VFLW side, and, and also I think formerly at Collingwood, she was just incredible in that third quarter. Um, just her toughness, and she's getting on the score sheet as well now. So, um, yeah, one of my favourite uh, new Hawks for sure. Out of out of three really really solid recruits, Ashmore had another incredible game, and her season's been brilliant. She's putting together a really great body of work, and you know she's one of the veterans in the team and playing just just really winding back the clock. So, um, it, it, it's really exciting to see uh, what this team is putting together and. Uh, just the way that they're finishing the season. Sean Pynan is with us. Good day, Sean. Uh, it was a good win. Very good win. Um, really good way to uh, spend a Saturday afternoon, actually. Um, I also, um, another couple of players I just would have to give a mention to, I thought, uh, Jenna Richardson's second half in particular. And, and she's very much a developing player. But um, the way she... Uh, read the read the play off the back line in that second half, particularly in the start of that third quarter, and and I think also a, a bit of a, a fan favourite, Eileen Gilroy as well. Um, she can kick the ball at least fifteen metres further than I can, so um, she she uh, was instrumental in driving it forward in that third quarter, and I'd, I'd suggest that that third quarter was probably as well as we've played um, as a group um, since you know since our our inception. So. Yeah, really enjoyable watch. A, bit, a few, a few mistakes in the first half, um, but uh, yeah, no, I think I think we control the game pretty much after about the first fifteen minutes. And and as you said earlier, Ash, um, it really was only a, a very good late goal that um, really was the only um, real highlight for Sydney after after um, the first ten minutes. They um, the the. the... The signs of improvement seem to be there every week. I mean, they've had, they've been a bit unlucky to run into powerhouses like Brisbane and Melbourne, but otherwise, they seem to be competitive. And they're showing that classic sign of a 
expansion team that they're getting they're in games for longer and the good burst good patches of football and competitive football uh they're more frequent through the game and and as we say on uh, saturday look they just pretty much control the game for, for most of it a really good side yeah absolutely and, and even um with the, the melbourne game a few weeks ago Looking at the statistics, I, I think we actually had a very similar amount of um, inside 50s for the game. Um, now, notwithstanding, Melbourne are an extremely accomplished side and um, will be in the top two or three to beat. Uh, and then the following week against Brisbane, uh, I, I thought we were excellent with our pressure in that first half. Um, so, yeah, I, it's it's one of those um, pleasing signs, probably a bit like the men's uh, team, where you can start to see really, really good signs out of a young group. Um, the intensity is certainly there. Um, the willing, willingness and the eagerness at the contest is there. Um, as we often probably have felt ourselves um, saying, you know, we just need a bit more polish with the men's. I think the same goes for the for the women's. But, um, yeah, uh, really pleasing signs. And I, I think there was a comment made about um, Chrissy Stratton earlier and, and, you know, it's so good to see her um, doing so well as well. And, uh, Anya McDonough as well. I mean, she's kicked, I think, goals in nearly every game this season. So, um, yeah, some really pleasing signs. So, the soaring now, uh, Hawks guys with us as well. Good evening. Um, evening, crew. Tell us about the game. Um, what's the game plan? If you've been asked, what is the. I'm going to do my David King here. What's their brand at the moment, the Hawks? Generally speaking, there is a defence first mentality, but once we get the football, we really do want to go. And I think since the last quarter against the Saints, we threw Aileen Gilroy into defence. And she's really driven us off half-back a lot. She had 18 disposals this week, 17 of which were kicks, which is a very typical Aileen-Gilroy ratio and nearly 500 metres gained. Um, She was hampered by a hamstring injury in the first few weeks of the season, and she actually told us on the show that um, it was a hindrance to her. And, I mean, you could tell. But she's really come back with a vengeance the last couple of weeks. So... We set up well behind the football and we try and make ourselves hard to play against. And I think we're the top tackling team in the competition or close to it. So we're very high pressure on the ball. But then once we get it, we really try and move it quickly. You know, Frankston's a very narrow ground. We get, we're pretty used to using the corridor. Although we don't mind spreading it out as well, especially with the likes of, you know, Mackenzie Eadley and Aileen Gilroy out of defence and Caitlin Ashmore. I, apparently there's only one of her, but when you watch her play, you're convinced there's two or three of us, just the amount of ground she covers. And I guess one other performance I want to mention was Lucy Wales. Ali Morfitt has one hand on the All-Australian jump blazer and another hand on the Rising Star. And her output was still solid, but it was significantly down on what she's done. And that was in no small part because Lucy Wales was just going around with her and really putting in a really strong defensive display against her. So, yeah, that's, I guess, my main takeaways. I was actually at the game. It was a hot day in Sydney and a seven-hour round trip was completely worth it. I'm sure. It was a great day to football. So not a bad ground trip. What do you have as well? That big... Uh... That'd be what's the um, expectation? Well, the two wins now. What, um, and I it's, forget about one week at a time. What are the expectations? And chat for both of you before we go, uh, for you, uh, Sean, as well, before we finish up and get to questions. What are we hoping for over the last three weeks of the season? Um, well, the two, Timmy and I have quite noted like for being quite different in how we look at football. Uh, I think we'd be favoured against Port Adelaide in round nine at Frankston. Uh, I don't think we'll beat Geelong at Cadinia Park. I think they're just a bit too good and they'll be battling for finals positioning. And this week against Richmond, I would ordinarily say Richmond should beat us even in Cairns, especially with us coming off a six-day break. Richmond have the extra day. But having said that, Richmond have a pretty long injury list at the moment. They've got a few coming back, I think, this week. But this game is a lot more even than I would have thought three or four weeks ago just because their injury list is... About as long as my arms at the moment, so. Well, Richmond uh, nightmares about Kansas, where Carmichael Hunt picked that goal up silent to beat him all those years ago. So, who knows, Sean? What do you What do you think we'll get for? Yeah, look, I I think if we could get to four wins, um, I think that'd be an excellent effort, really, um, considering the 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 difficulty of the draw this season. And I I did see on on some of the socials some of the comments from the uh, the West Coast uh, coach. Around the difficulty. Oh, well, no, my gosh, my gosh. For those who didn't hear, he complained about him. He complained that they were drawn like the For reference, by the way, I was, I was actually the one who crunched this data that you might have seen. 
Their draw, West Coast draw ranks as the second easiest in the competition by season seven opponent plus minus. Hawthorne's ranks as the third hardest, yet you don't hear Bet Goddard complaining. No. no. Yeah. And oh, sorry, so look, in, in if if we can get to four wins, I think that would meet expectations. Um and and given the the age of the group, um, the lack of senior experience as compared to some of the other sides, um, I, I would think that's that's actually an excellent result. And it's been um, – there have been a, a lot more glimpses this year of, of the potential, I would think. Um, Charlotte Baskerin, for one, has been excellent. Um, and, and there are just so many people – so many um, women in the team you can see developing. So the future's bright. Yep, I, uh, I'm i going to do my very level best to get to the Port Adelaide game in a couple of weeks. haven't had a chance to go to a game this year, but uh, that I agree with you. That, that certainly shapes the game. They should win between now and the end of the season. Gentlemen, thank you for your contribution tonight. Um, three games to go. Hopefully we'll get you back on again uh, next week uh, and over the rest of the season to talk more about the Hawks AFLW. But we are going to get to lots of questions now. Uh, massive feedback tonight. So I'm just going to go through these points and, and get you guys to speak to them as you wish. From Stalking Hawk, uh, trade pick four to West Coast for future first and go hunting for Jamara or Bailey Smith in 2024, depending on whether we want an extra key forward or not. West Coast would like four to get Curtin. With Father Sons and Massimo, we don't need more youth in this draft. What do you think about that, Weezy? Uh Well, I mean, it would be... It would be fair to assume that West Coast are finishing the bottom few next season. So whilst it would be lovely to have, um, you know, a couple of picks potentially in the top five or six, I think that um, it's really, really important that, again, whether it's the use of the pick we've got, we're trading it up to pick one, which looks very unlikely, or we're splitting it, as Prinzi mentioned before, that we're getting as much top-end talent as we can and you know, getting players in that can potentially get six or seven or if they're that good, you know, over a dozen or 15 games into them, um, that just fast-tracks what we're trying to do. So uh, I think that we shouldn't be looking at that unless we, um, uh, unless there's another way to bring in, I guess, a, a first-round sele- selection somehow. Okay, for Mick, uh, our great mate Mick Cowan, Simon Crochet was given 23. That he was, but I think the Hawks are a bit more judicious now in who gets the jumpers. And uh, I know Sam Mitchell, uh, his philosophy is he asks players who wore that number to get involved. I think um, when Cosy was given number 23, even the great Buddy Franklin uh, was asked whether he was happy with such a play. So uh, that's what they do now at the Hawks. Doc Mantle, I joined the trade back camp over the weekend. Pick 6-11, gets two quality players and still gets McCabe after that. Realistically, that's three top 20 picks in a draft. We don't really have a strong hand. Um, yes, I think there's a fair bit of support about that and I'm even warming to the idea now as well when gurus like Danny convince me that might be the way to go. Um, Pat, Patrick says about the AFLW win the weekend. It certainly was great. Another one from Doc. Jack Gumpton has plenty of upside. He keeps the back line honest. They just can't zone off him. His presence would only help Lewis and Child. His leadership alone is a huge plus. Can go behind the ball and help the defence when opposition gets a run on and slow the scoring down. Family club. Well, I think that pretty much sums up what we've been saying, Daz. Well, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think I've spoken quite a lot about Jack Gumpton tonight, but you know, what, what more is there to say? I think it's it's a win-win deal and, you know, you, you just want him to finish on a good note in, in the brown and gold. And, uh, yeah, I, I actually want to win games next year and I want to have a crack at finals. I'm, 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 sick of, I'm sick of watching other teams playing in finals and us finishing down the bottom. And if Jack Unson gets us close to that goal, we become a destination club with a lot of money and there's a lot of free agents that are on the table next year. So... I think it's actually imperative that we try and finish further up the table next year, and Jack's going to help us. Uh, good point here from Wok. Outside Mitch Lewis, we don't have a player that can actually play centre-half forward. Take Dersma or Caddy in the draft, get them to learn off Gunson for a few years, and then they take over. Um, good points, but Danny, I, I'm not feeling it with Dersma. I just don't think he'd be there for Hawthorne. Well, even if he was there for Hawthorne, 
he's not a centre half forward, and neither is Nate Caddy. They're too small. Um, you know, you said the the initial comment was that Lewis is the only one that can play centre half forward. Lewis is one ninety eight centimetres. He's a big, big, big human being. Um, Dersma is one ninety, and Caddy's like one ninety two. So, like, there's a big difference between one ninety and and two hundred, right? Um, and those those um, guys that were mentioned as options to play centre forward, they're not going to be key forwards. So we've got to get that out of our mind. Um, that that's not an option. They're not built for that. They don't play that way. Um, Caddy, to a lesser extent, does, but I still don't think I still don't think you, he's the man to be grooming as your next, um, you know, centre half forward. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Look, I think all the talk is that, like you said, Ash, that Dersma's probably not around when we pick. Um, but he he's clearly my preferred. I think that he does some really special things. I know a lot of people really strong advocates for Nick Watson. And I think Nick Watson definitely has a place in our team, I would say, as early as next year. I think if he's selected... Um, he probably starts in our best 22 next year just because of what he offers that we don't have on our list at the moment, which is just elite goal sense and, um, and that sort of frontal pressure as well. So, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. I think so much has yet to play out that will play out over the course of the coming weeks and, um, you know, month and a bit until the draft. Um, and, you know, watching, watching what the Hawks do and where it all lands is, is probably it's got to be really really fascinating. It's not as clear cut as previous years, I don't think. Ash, I think that's what the you know this time last year we were talking about. You know, Cam McKenzie was probably the one. The year before that, we were talking about Josh Ward being the one. That based on how all the dominoes would fall, I think this year is just like completely open, and I think that's really interesting. Um, a couple from Doc. We definitely should be looking at quality tools now, drafted now, and development. Develop them so in three years they read to explode when we make a fair nick and run at files in the top four. Also, from Doc, am I the only one that could take it or leave it with Massimo D'Ambrosio? I mean, he's only going to be a depth player and not setting the game alight, is he? Um, we'll talk more about him once the trade is done, but uh, anyone agree with that? Want to debate that? I'd just say that um, we're not giving up. We won't be giving up much to get him. So it's a little bit like, you know, you pay for what you get, what you pay for, right? Like, I think he, he could be a pretty solid player, um, but we're not expecting him to come in and revolutionise, you know, the, the, the team. He's just, he's going to be a, a list player. He's going to be a decent depth player. I think context as well. Prinzi mentioned earlier, if we can turn Brocky's picks into Chol and Massimo, then on the whole... You're not too upset with that little piece of work, are you? Line here from Justin. Sorry, Troll ain't worth a top 30 to 35 pick. Unfortunately, you might be right, but unfortunately, when you offer him a four year contract with a trigger for a fifth, um, you're saying he's reasonably valuable. So, therefore, uh, clubs are entitled to ask for a higher pick for him. It's the sort of philosophy by which it all works these days. The higher. The bigger the contract, the higher the uh, price you have to pay to extract them. So um, and that all goes down even to uh, people like Ben Mackay being uh, getting picked through his conversation for Ben Mackay. From Patrick, is it wrong to hope that with a hopefully an easier draw and a decent forward line, hopefully we could still be a top eight even if we slide in 2025? Uh, a bit of optimism around the Hawks, as I've written recently, uh, as to how they're tracking. They think they'll play finals next year, which is a good place to start. I'm more sceptical. I think 2025 is the more likely finals uh, outcome. Um, from what Caddy plays like Charlie Curnow, so, so I'm not necessarily talent. Charlie's one centimetre taller, but Caddy hasn't finished growing. Um, we'll look more at uh, Caddy later on as we get close to draft and Danny some, does some more of his homework for us. Um Stalking, I liked how we dealt with Brockman. Plenty of love. Send it with him and he sends it back. Talks well of the club, etc. I'm really happy for him and he's actually a great ambassador of the club despite not being part of it anymore. Certainly the Hawthorne with every communication before, during and after the trade made it clear what a great person he was uh, and how beautiful his family is. I think Hawthorne have actually handled this one as well as can be expected. Bruno, um, Danny, you can comment on this. Reports during the season are Curtin moves like, and plays like a young Bontempelli, can play KP and midfield, 
His waffle coach breaks his hardness too. Don't trade down pick four. He could be the next Cooter. Yeah, look, very hard to compare anybody to Cooter Fides and Bonson Pally. I'm not going to go on record as saying that. And look, if anybody at the Hawks could emulate that level of talent, I think it's somebody like Will Day. So, um, yeah, look, who knows? Who knows what he ends up being? But um, I think he's very talented. I think he's a legitimate shot to end up at Hawthorne at, at the draft. So I think he'll go in and around our, our pick. And, um, you know, he, he fits another need. Ideally, if he was, you know, three centimetres taller and played as a key back, he'd, he'd probably be signed, sealed, delivered at the Hawks. So, um, but, you know, 195 centimetre smooth moving midfielder who can, he's a beautiful kicker of footy. Um, you, you don't turn those down very readily, do you? No. Uh, Dom, who apologises for, he pressed the wrong button for, he didn't really want to speak to us. He wanted to text instead. Bring Jack back will purely be for off-field purposes, I think. Watched him a couple of times this year and sadly looked absolutely cooked. Yeah, if he plays, I reckon we get 10 games out of him, but he would know that. I don't think he's come to Hawthorne thinking he's going to play 23 games and walk into the team. I think he feels he's got a bit of footy left in him and he'd like to beat Hawthorne rather than Brisbane. I think he just wants to move back to Melbourne. Um, and the reports reported tonight was if he doesn't play for Hawthorne, he probably won't play at all. So he'll either, he'll either stick it out in Brisbane to serve out the contract, but if he comes back to Victoria, it'll be to play for Hawthorne. Nobody else. Even though if I was Melbourne, I'd be out trying to talk him into playing for Melbourne. Next season, he could be a handy player on a team that uh, is in flag contention. Doc, I guess we bring in Charles and Gunson. That would mean listening for Fergus Green. Maybe uh, Justin suggesting Fergus could be a rookie. I'm not quite sure how that works. We might discuss that. We'll park the Fergus Green discussion for another time um, as the list uh, continues to take shape. Um, Bruno, the 2020 draft top 10 have really struggled except for Jamara at number one. DGB probably a bust, but Curtin could be a star in the making. Um, I'd be very happy if we get Curtin to the footy club. Um, what else have we got? Glenn Thomason, quickly. We see, should we look at Ginnivan? He's not going to go to the Magpies next year? Oh, I think we had a pretty uh, pretty good chat about this throughout the week last week. The reality is, um, I think we all kind of agreed he'd probably... The trade radio, we see, we talk about the same thing uh, 37 pretty much, times. Pretty much. He'd play... Um, he, he played. The question is what we'd have to give up for him. And as long as you're not giving up too much draft capital, but when you look at what uh, Collingwood have just paid for Lockie Schultz, you can't imagine he'd come that cheap, Ginevan, Ginevan that you'd necessarily go hunting for him. So I uh, feel like he, he'd be a pass based on what what the asking price would be. Couple more before we finish up for Mick. What is worth? The reports were that Brockman was going to the PCM, but for, for a family illness. I think I heard that somewhere. Per Dan, any word? New assistant coaches coming in. The word from the club, I think, is more internal elevations. Um, and obviously, Brett Ratton's come in as a uh, sort of head of coaching. Chat if they're going to hire anybody from outside of the club, more likely to go down the development path. From Matt, issue is Melbourne might also want Zane and then not want to trade up if he's gone. That is true. Um, also want to know about Bramble, Long and Fergus. Well, I think Hawthorne will do no more list decisions until after the trade period is done and then they finalise what they want to do with the draft and know what draft picks they could have. When do we expect Will to nominate the Hawks? Uh, good question, because I know that uh, Crofts has nominated the Bulldogs already. Um, I would expect that to happen um, probably after the trade period. Got until um, the end of the month, Ash. What's that? He's got until the end of the month. End of the month. So we'll, we'll know a bit more then. It's interesting, after the uh, now the combine's done, once the draft's finished, the players really... Uh, the club's obliged now to leave the players alone as they start their exams, and there's not a lot happening at the moment. The players are really left to their own devices to get through their exams. Now the clubs have very minimal contact with them, although, of course, in Hawthorne's case, the director of football is also his father. So that might be an exception to that. Um when are all the deals likely to get done from uh, from Archer Flem, uh 7.25 on Wednesday, as I always do. Um, we are going to finish there. We've gone on very long, and one of us needs to get to bed to get their beauty sleep ahead of a busy interstate trip tomorrow. Uh, that person is not me, by the way. Um, so He's thank our, our travelling guru. He's our travelling guru as well as our merchant guru and our media guru. Um we, <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow night to hopefully a bit more news comment. Same bat time, 8.30. Don't forget, um, 
likely to kick off on Wednesday night about 8.30 as well with a full deep dive once the dust has settled with a special guest coming on from in the room as well. Um, we haven't done FOMO, but uh, we might get to FOMO. A few players have tried. One I'm particularly keen to discuss, but we can get to that, I think, tomorrow night, especially if there's not a lot of news around. So uh, that's your homework for tomorrow night, gentlemen, to look at who's been traded and, and wistfully wonder whether any of them should have been at Hawthorne instead. Thank you, Danny. You've been a star tonight. Thanks for that, Ash. You led us beautifully. Uh, thank you, Darren. Enjoy your travels and your duties the rest of the week. We'll talk to you again, I think, next week. Thank you. Looking forward to actually seeing some action from the Hawks. So that'll 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 be great to actually have something to, to talk about other than Jack Gunston. Yeah, that's right. Weezy, thank you for pulling the levers once again. Thank you, as always, Ash. Looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. Thanks for your support of Hawks and Sires. Five dollars a month, fifty dollars a year. Don't forget my series on the trades. We've had the uh, we've had the duds today. Tomorrow will be the in betweeners, and then I think on Wednesday the All Star team will come out and uh, looking forward to more debate about that as well as we go down the path down the track might look at a bit of that tomorrow night too if we get time thanks everyone enjoy the next 24 hours we look forward to chatting you again this time tomorrow on Hawks Insiders Uh, thanks and good night This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne footy club coverage.